The Money Show. The Big Issue. Well, over the weekend, we saw the ANC publish its manifesto for the uh, 2014 year in which there happens to be a general election. It is going to be asking you to vote for it. Other political parties will come out with their respective manifestos and ask you to vote for them. Unfortunately for you and me, we all only have one vote. So you have to be quite particular about who you vote for when it comes around to that time. Daniel Silk, the independent political analyst, uh, tweeting today, the ANC reclaims the early pre-election political initiative following its manifesto launch, thus putting pressure on the DA to up the ante. Daniel Silk, what did you make? High-level stuff of the ANC manifesto. Well, you know, Bruce, hi. Uh, yeah, it was a um, an interesting uh, weekend, and I think the ANC can probably breathe a sigh of relief that they got through the manifesto launch without any booing or jeering. They got through <laughs> that manifesto launch with Jacob Zuma actually performing relatively well on stage mm-hmm. in front of the cameras. I think he delivered the speech rather well. The audience looked good. The stadium was packed to the rafters. Uh, and I think that given the fiasco during the Mandela Memorial Week that had occurred, uh, I I think from a technical, from a, from a show point of view, from a razzmatazz point of view, uh, I think the ANC can probably be saying, well, you know, we did a jo- it was a job well done. So technically, I think the launch went well. I think that as we've progressed over the course of the last 48 hours, more analysis, more in-depth reading of the manifesto, what there is of the manifesto has come to light. And I think that the deficiencies, in a sense, in the manifesto, uh, the question marks, all the same issues uh, that we've dealt with are going to again come to the fore. Okay, we'll talk about some of those deficiencies, the positives, the negatives in just a moment. The the purpose of a manifesto, though, I mean, it's a... A wish list, effectively. We're the guys who you should vote for because this is what we wish to present to you. It's not we will do this, we can achieve this, this is realistic. It's our, this is what we'd like to do. We're the good guys, therefore we would do this for you if you put us in power. Yeah, look, it is a wish list uh, and it is probably the only time when voters really possibly listen to what a political party does indicate it will do because for the rest of the four or five year term voters barely look at policies uh, so it's the one chance that a party gets to at least attempt to educate its electorate as to what it intends to do or would like to do okay so it's an opportunity therefore it's a, it's a it's a platform to advertise if you like um when you look at the the broad brushstrokes the, the key points the positives within the anc manifesto what would you regard as those well strangely enough one of the positives that i would see is that there was nothing too radical in the manifesto. Mm. Now uh, if you were looking at this manifesto and you were worried about certain uh, major radical about turns in economic policy, uh, you would come out of this and saying, well it looks like business as usual for the ANC. So from an investor point of view, from a foreign point of view looking in at South Africa, you could well say that uh, the ANC is presenting a message of continuity going forward where it simply will continue to try and address some of these issues that at, uh, the challenges that continue to, to plague South Africa. That's, to me, the positive. I mean, in, in that, in that is the problem for the ANC, though, isn't it? Because it faces the yapping of a new dog in the, in, in the yard. And that is, it's had, what, what, what did uh, Tabo Beck and Tony Leon, that fabulous spat in Parliament the one time where um, Tony Leon was being referred to as a chihuahua and he said, I'd rather be a chihuahua than be part of a goofy government. Or was that Nelson Mandela was was president at the time, I think. Um, something along those lines. So the yapping of the of the Chihuahua that has now become a formidable force of the Democratic Alliance on the one side, um, and the DA will 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 you know, like the not too radical part of it. But you've got. 
Julius Malema and the Economic Freedom Fighters, the EFF, the new noise. Um, and, and the ANC is presenting the moderate, centrist ANC line that we know. But on the other side, there is this groundswell of concern and, and, and discontent in South Africa. I think a feature of electorates all over the world is that people are becoming more discriminating, more discerning. They're analyzing leadership to a much greater degree. We all are much more aware uh, of issues across the world, of planets, of, of, of different countries, of Arab Springs. Uh, all electorates across the world are more demanding than, than ever before, even where governments have delivered. And the ANC has delivered in some respects in South Africa. Yet I think they've created added expectations as well for future delivery. So uh, we have a, an electorate, a younger electorate in particular as well, the so-called born frees, uh, who I think are not necessarily married to the old ways of their uh, parents' generation when it comes to analysing the voting patterns and where they're going to lend their support. Uh, so South Africa, I think, and the ANC faces a much tougher battle in putting its message across to the electorate and expecting them simply in the 60% to go back and vote for them. It's a tougher environment than ever before for the ANC and much more competitive. And how um, de- damaging has the departure of NUMSA from the coffers of the ANC been and the fact that there won't be NUMSA organizers on the ground doing the work for the ANC within the workplace, for example, in the run-up to the election, making sure that people go out and, and put their mark on the ballot box? Look, I think that's what came out of the manifesto to me was that there was enough um, th- there were enough indications in the manifesto that the ANC were, were concerned about the trade union movement and whether there would be uh, workers on the ground to do the hard, the hard electioneering tasks. So we've seen some concessions in the manifesto in terms of the contemplation of a minimum wage, of the issue of uh, inequality in salaries between bosses and workers, uh, perhaps tweaking this uh, issue of the uh, the employment, the youth employment scheme. Uh, to uh, to improve and promote uh, older workers who might be affected, uh, and I think this tweaking of the manifesto for the union for the unions in particular have allowed the ANC to bring some of those unions, those wayward union members, back into the fold at least for the election campaign. Mm-hmm. What happens after the election campaign, I think, will be something different, and I think we're going to see a much more combative ANC internally post April or May of this year. But there's enough food in that manifesto to bring those wayward unions back on board, notwithstanding the few hundred thousand members of NUMSA who perhaps have decided to part company with the ANC. Audible one eight eight three zero seven zero two zero two one four four six zero five six seven. If you want to make a contribution to our conversation this evening, all about the ANC manifesto, what was good, what was bad, what was indifferent for you. If you want to chat to Daniel Silk, the independent political analyst, he's in studio with me until almost eight o'clock tonight. So if you want to give your your thoughts this evening on the ANC manifesto, whether or not it's worth the piece of paper that it's written on, uh, perhaps there's something you want to talk about this evening as well. You talk about the strength of the ANC manifesto being its lack of controversy, its lack of radical uh, radicalization. And in that strength is also possibly some of its weakness. Well, indeed. I mean, the weakness, again, uh, reflects the weakness that we've seen in ANC policymaking or lack thereof over the course of the last 5, 10, 15 years. The nature of the alliance, the beast of the alliance as it is, uh, really makes it very, very difficult for the ANC to have uh, the political will to implement policy. Now, uh, it's gone so far in this manifesto this weekend to talk about integrating the National Development Plan into the policy. This is the first time publicly that the ANC will have to go out now and try to sell the NDP to voters. And it's going to be questioned 
on the NDP aspects of the manifesto. It certainly will. It's going to be quite tough for the ANC to get their hands around this. Uh, but at least we've seen that going forward. Uh, if this is not accomplished, we are looking at, again, a wishy-washy set of compromise principles and policies that really tread water when we really need to make hard and, hard and tough decisions. And somebody, and I forget who it was, was just saying today the NDP got mentioned nice and early on, nice prominence for the NDP. And no sooner did you get into some of the detail than suddenly Ibrahim Patel's new growth plan came through, the NGP. Um, came through and was mentioned. That almost diluted the impact of saying the NDP is our policy. We've also got this policy here if you don't like this one. Guys, everyone's got, everyone's got to say it's all okay. It, ref- it continues to reflect the divided nature of the ANC ideologically and the multitude of economic policies that exist within the ANC today. And we've yet to see one become predominant within the ANC. We're starting to see with NUMSA's withdrawal from its uh, close symbiotic relationship with the ANC, ideology becoming more important in the South African political debate going forward. It's just the beginnings of that crack. I think we're going to see that exacerbated over the next few years. When we look at that lack of detail, perhaps, in the, in, in the policy statement as well, within, with, within the manifesto, I haven't read many manifestos in my time, is a lack of detail part of the magic of, and the smoke and mirrors of a good manifesto? Or should it be full of meaty detail that voters can get the, their, their heads around? I think there should be two types of manifesto. One is the uh, shortened, easy-to-read, simplified manifesto, which most voters really can perhaps look at and understand. And uh, the DA have come out with something similar to that. The ANC have come out this weekend with that. But accompanying that should be a set of fairly detailed policies. And I would expect, in fact, uh, all the political parties to have these two documents, simplified version and a much more detailed, complex version to analyze in the next few months, including the ANC. We're seeing this greater shift towards centralized planning, centralized economic planning and coordination. It's this idea of a centrist party office that can do far more good than uh, an independent free market economy? Yeah, again, this is uh, the contradictions within the ANC. These contradictions as to whether the state uh, really needs to take responsibility or whether the private sector is embraced and brought on board. And whilst uh, I must say, I think there was a degree of greater lip service than I've heard before to the need to bring the private sector back into the debate over the weekend, it wasn't sufficient for me to really have confidence that uh, we're going to up our growth rates uh, as a result of this. It was a kind of wishy-washy compromise on uh, embracing uh, the private sector in uh, government's commitment to uh, job creation and growing the economy. You're only slightly cynical about that, aren't you? The wishy-washy lip service. Um, (laughs) but, but, But your sense of it, though, was that the 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 level of lip service was was greater than previously, which suggests that maybe it's becoming part of a conversation rather than simply being yeah, sort of tossed aside. I just think you have to understand this manifesto and the launch of the campaign in terms of the ANC, not in terms of what we would like to see in a sense. In terms of a complex, unwieldy ruling political party with different strands of ideology trying to bring these all together and certainly during the election campaign over the next four months not wishing to rock the boat at all. 
This is a campaign which has to has to show unity. It has to show at least strength of leadership. Uh, and if it's a wishy-washy campaign, uh, at least perhaps it will not upset too many of the component elements of the ANC. Uh, you and I might like to see um, much more uh, hard and fast decisions taken mm-hmm. on policy. Uh, and I certainly would like to see uh, uh, political will being uh, used uh, by the leadership in the ANC. I don't think we're going to see it over the next four months. We might see it in Jacob Zuma's second term. Might see it. Might. Might see it. Um, very vague on jobs targets. There is also the youth, un- the youth employment issues, uh, again, very much in discussion. Very much, uh, very much close to uh, to the heart of, w- of what what is going on. There is effectively the wage subsidy, which has come through now. It's it, it's it's going to come into the system, but but the jobs targets. We've been talking about five million jobs by this period, or six million job opportunities. Again, I think the government has realised that unless it creates new civil service jobs or new jobs within that sort of sector of the economy, without any real growth coming through, we're not going to get any real growth in jobs. Well, I'm a little bit cynical on this particular aspect of the manifesto. I must tell you, the job opportunities or the six million job opportunities are perhaps just that they opportunities now opportunities certainly doesn't mean uh, long-term jobs Uh, it doesn't mean a job in which you can develop some sort of skills path into the future this could mean a job for three months or six months on an infrastructure project uh, building a road or a railway line Uh, hardly a job that allows you to progress as a human being so uh, I'm a little bit skeptical as to whether firstly we'll get anywhere close to six million even of these opportunities created over the course of the next five years and I'm not sure they have any meaningful effect in terms of uh, improving overall the uh, GDP of South Africa into the future and really skilling our population as a result with that. Um, But frankly, I'd rather have the job opportunities created than having no job opportunities created at all. Uh, so on the basis of that, um, let's get the job opportunities out there. Absolutely. Lots of issues coming through in the in the ANC manifesto over the weekend. This is the manifesto of the ruling party. This is the billboard, the first big advertising billboard for the elections that will happen in April or May this year. Uh, governments don't like to, re- ruling parties don't like to leave things too late uh, into cold winter months. They want it to be nice and dry. So after summer rains and before it gets too cold for people to actually want to go to the polling booths. Um, the good stuff also, um, NHI is going along nice and slowly, and I guess that's the way it should be because we can't bankrupt the state with a national health system that is going to be very expensive one day when it's fully up and running. But the mining nationalization thing, I don't think it'll be put to bed for a long time. It was far too noisy, but it's not on the agenda, which uh, people are going to see as a positive. Don't yes, you? I think that uh, nationalization really is not a feature. Uh, of the ANC's policy, certainly for the moment. I think we're going to continue to see the ANC making noises about a greater involvement in a state mining company, yeah. uh, tightening up of rules and regulations and legislation. I think that's going to come. There's, 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 there's nothing to suggest, though, that that level of state intervention in nationalization is coming. Anyway, it was a departure point for Julius Malema and the EFF, by and large, to uh, ditch the ANC and create their own political party. Uh, and in fact, for that matter, it's policy of NUMSA as well, yeah. uh, to support the nationalization of mines. Those that are diverging from the ANC are diverging now on policy on policy arguments with the ruling party. And that's the interesting feature of our politics. It's and not, it's healthy. 
it's healthy. It's healthy because these entities are not necessarily clinging to the cloak of power. They're not clinging to what the state can provide and the perks that the state provide. They might want the perks should they get into power themselves, but they're not clinging to the coattails of the ANC anymore. And I think we're going to see more and more elements within the ANC uh, release themselves from those cloak from those coattails as we move into the next five years, creating a much more fractious ruling political party. When we look at the what, what the polls are saying, and I think Ipsos have come out with a mm. poll, um, putting the ANC majority as low as 53%. Now that, if you are Gwede Mandashe, is the scariest number you've seen in a very long time. It's a very scary number for the ANC, but I think by Ipsos's own uh, admission, this poll was taken at the worst possible time for the ruling party at the end of uh, last year, November of last year or so, uh, just uh, sur- around the uh, further revelations about Nkandla. Last year was a terrible year for the ANC. So if the ruling party support in a poll, and our polls, I must tell you, have not been uh, that reliable okay. in our election year, in any of our elections over the course of the last 10 or 15 years or so, if the ruling party gets 52% at its low, low ebb at the end of last year, with a relatively strong campaign, perhaps getting out its voter and getting that voter to the polls is going to be critical. The ANC can do that because they've got the resources to do that. They've got to galvanize their voters to actually physically get out there. They can up that vote and probably they can up their vote to around 60%. Uh, so uh, I think this is a, a starting point for the ANC, frankly. And I don't think we're going to see the drop uh, to the low 50s for the ANC, despite what the poll says. It does all depend, I suppose, on how well a Hang does um, and whether or not that dilutes uh, sort of marginal forces within the DA or whether it dilutes the ANC more. It depends on well how well the EFF does and just how much of the born free uh, young South African vote the EFF manages to attract. I think it's quite interesting. One of the factors in the weekend was that I didn't feel that the uh, manifesto launch really uh, was, was a young event. Uh, we talk about the born freeze and younger voters being important this, in this election going forward, yet all the speakers prior to Jacob Zuma on the podium, prior to Zuma, were all old guard speakers from the ANC. I didn't see any young, uh, uh, charismatic or dynamic speakers put on the podium in front of television cameras. The ANC knew. The whole country was watching this. Um, and I must say, I think that was a deficiency of the campaign launch. The ANC has got to become cool again. And in a sense, that's where Malema has succeeded. He's provided some sort of cool factor in our politics going forward. Maimani and the DA, Mazibuko to a degree as well. Uh, A cool factor. Uh, And I think the ANC are going to need to wake up uh, to this particular issue over the course of the next few months. Uh, I myself, if I must tell you, you know, we're all making election predictions these days. Uh, I'm not convinced the smaller parties are going to have it that easy in terms of making any kind of electoral breakthrough. And in particular, I would single out a Khang on that particular issue. I, I, I just wonder whether or not too much fuss has been made about Akhang. We really know so little about it beyond Mampela Rampele, who's a, a remarkable woman with a remarkable history and a remarkable courage, and she is an, a, 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 a stoical figure. She really is fantastic. But uh, I'm chatting to some, some guys the other day saying, you know, this EFF thing, that's much more interesting. Julius is offering us what we want. Uh, Mampela Rampele is offering us what we need. 
I think we'll probably go for what we want. Um, and and <laughs> it's the promise versus what uh, is not necessarily what makes economic and social sense. Well, I certainly think there's more of a campaign to the EFF. And I think when you look at what the EFF did over the course of the weekend with a house that they handed over in <laughs> Kandla, very clever politicking to take the attention away from the ANC launch. It was interesting yeah. that the DA were left in the cold over this course of the last weekend. I mean, the DA really have, have barely uh, surfaced uh, in, uh, at the beginning of this year right now. In fact, all the running has been by the ANC and, and the EFF, and the DA are going to have to become quite, I think, innovative in their campaigning, not to compete with the ANC, but to compete with the EFF going forward for the next few months. The DA compete with the EFF just not for airtime? Uh, for, for airtime, not mm. in terms of votes. And I still believe that the EFF vote is not going to shock anyone to its core in terms of its large size, but I think that uh, Mr. Malema is going to do substantially better than uh, Mrs. Uh, Rampelli. Julius Julius Malema far more likely to be Julius Malema MP uh, than Mampela Rampelli. Well, I think both of them will get enough votes to become an MP. I think that uh, Julius will have a team with him. It's going to be fascinating. That dynamic in Parliament is going to be fascinating as well in terms of how that all works out. Uh, Are you excited about this election? I am excited because there's more competition and more competition is always good. And we've got more viewpoints and quite clear viewpoints with alternative messages being put forward. So it's not just about the legacy of the past anymore. It's about options for the future. Whether you like them or not, they're on the table Uh, and there are plenty of them. Uh, and in that sense, it can only be healthy for a country to have political competition. I think what's going to be interesting, I must tell you, just going back to your previous point during the debate to come, is how effective these campaigns are going to be from the EFF or the DA. If the EFF runs a very effective campaign, what we talk about now, what I talk about now, uh, the uh, uh, moderate centrist manifesto that we've seen over the last week, if the EFF is effective in their more radical uh, positioning during the campaign, this could radicalize the entire debate of the campaign. Yes. Uh, the ANC might need to out-radical, out-radicalize the EFF over the course of the next few months. If the DA runs a very, very good campaign, well, the uh, ANC would have to also moderate its rhetoric accordingly. Uh, and I think that the fairly wishy-washy centrist uh, ANC manifesto that we've seen allows the ANC over the course of the next few months also to moderate its tone depending on which opposition force comes out with a stronger campaign. And I just thought it was all about political principle and doing the right thing. I'm so disappointed that you suggest these people are malleable. I think you have to be malleable in politics, (laughs) and I think you have to keep that door open to all eventualities in this election campaign. Uh, Okay, at this stage, because this is going to be a moving target, you're suggesting that the ANC will get 60%. Yes, I think that uh, their support is going to drop from, uh, to, you know, the, the, from, from certainly 2009 and then 2011 uh, marginally. Uh, and I think that the ANC will be lucky to get around 60% of the vote. I like telling my clients that the ANC are going to get 59.8% of the vote because I think that once the ANC drops into the 50s, even if it's by a fraction of a percent, it creates a very different dynamic for South African politics for the next five years. So uh, they're going to hover around 60%, uh, and I think the DA are going to do uh, similarly to their 2011 
local election result, possibly with a, slight, with a slight upside indeed to about mm. uh, 23, 25%. Okay, so the, that leaves 15% of the vote up for grabs. Yeah. And and that gets split. Cope's running out of money. Um, Ahang doesn't have a, a huge budget. The EFF certainly is not going to have a huge budget uh, behind it unless they get some, some benefactors in. Um, is it going to be a money game or is it going to just be a shrapnel game? Yeah, I think it's more of a shrapnel game, but I think the EFF doesn't necessarily need, need as much money as some of the other smaller players do there. Mr. Malema simply needs to uh, open his mouth on a platform <laughs> and he gets uh, millions of rands worth of publicity immediately. And yeah. that, of course, will boost his vote tally to perhaps 3 or 4 or even 5% on a very good day. As high as 5%. There we go. Daniel Silk, the independent political analyst with us on The Money Show. Thank you, Daniel.